0: Everybody, uh, welcome to the USL show. Brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, which is your home for uh, national team scarves, which you won't be needing because the World Cup coming up. So don't worry about that part. But you know MLS, USL, and, and even kind of custom scarves for your club or fundraisers. Check them out: roughneckscarves.com. We're also brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which is a podcast network run by the uh, effervescent Mike Sparks. Which you can check the uh, the network out: bgn.fm. Or uh at the BGN FM on Twitter. I am your host, a somewhat frazzled because computer restarts Evan Vallella, joined uh sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, but they are always my soccer friends. And uh this week we're gonna talk mostly news, if I'm honest, about some wheelings and dealings as well as some open cup things and some other things and some other things. So if you like the kind of in-depth reviews of matches every week, this isn't the week for you, but um, hopefully enough other things happen off the field that keep you hooked as well as their personalities. Hopefully I don't know. Mm. Anyway, joining me, as always, it is the waviest man in the St. Louis metropolitan area. It is Phil Grooms. Phil, how's it going?
1: Good, good. Uh, you could wear good. a new roughneck scarf to that awesome Bolivia friendly in your neck of the woods coming up here.
0: It's true. I could. I very well could wear a U.S. men's national team roughneck scarf to the Bolivia friendly. Um, you thinking about going to Also joining me. Not really. What, what's that? Am I going to that? I don't think so. Okay. Is that bad?
1: Well, yeah. You're just letting our entire country down, but it's all right. It's no big deal. I,
0: but like, what is like? Why? They to get that in Trinidad. Thank you. Uh, that I, voice. I would go for King Parks. Voice and... of reason. I'm sorry. The I'm voice of stop reason. Being quiet. Yeah, yeah. The voice of reason. <laughs> he's also the man that puts the show in show notes. No longer our international correspondent because he's back in the
2: United States. It's right Allen. Welcome back to the United States. I'm back on East Coast time. Uh, Evan actually had to go through your neck of the woods and go through the Philadelphia yeah. airport. Everyone I got runs got back through the
0: baby. You didn't run into the men's national. I guess you came in a little bit after they did. I also went through the airport. The other hey, right on. Yeah, they I also went through the international
2: uh, arrival. So
0: you would have seen them. Maybe Bolivia was there and you didn't notice.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, also joining us on site. At Providence Park because it's not good enough that we like, you know, record at our homes. Kev has to record from the actual stadium because that's how important he is. Uh which isn't true. It's actually because it's, the Portland Timbers are playing St. Paul EFC here in a bit. Um from play the kids and stuff down footy, up? It's, it's been Kev, Kevin McCamish. How's it going, buddy?
3: Going good. Can you hear the background music we got going on for a this episode? A little
0: bit. The good <laughs> news is you can only talk for five seconds at a time, so we can't get copyrighted. Um <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, uh so yeah, I, I want to plug play the kids. You guys did a really cool episode with um Fell in Love of the Girl, which is which is the FC St. Pauli podcast, yep. as well as um, and I, I never remember his name, so I'll just let you say who it is. But the author of a of a wonderful book about St. Pauli that I am currently Reading actually.
3: Pirates, punks, and politics, author Nick Davidson. There you go.
0: And uh, and yeah, you're on site to cover the uh the, the big boys, the first team playing FC St. Pauli tonight. So um yeah. First team does not play
3: International Friendlies anymore. No uh uh-uh. uh Damn it, Gotta focus on winning. Gotta focus on winning them trophies, right? Uh, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. what Mariposa says. Speaking of, I happen to see him with my own eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. So field. we won't will, we will, we'll stop talking about him, is, is what you're saying. I'll come up here and be like, I heard my name. Yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> Those guys always scare me because whenever I say anything, I'm like, oh, I hope they didn't hear that. Uh, and also joining us because Kev will eventually have to leave at some point. It'll be uh, Mark Turner from Backchat. Hopefully, it will be here in a bit. So that'll be uh, that'll be cool. Can, um, can I, say in case you wanted to hear an international voice? Can I say that I've invited?
1: I no longer
2: can provide that.
1: <laughs> I've invited Mark like twice, and he finally <laughs> was able to do it on a day that I asked him, and I told him the wrong time. So <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mark. I'm such an idiot. It'll be alright. I have right. to
0: repeat that and and look like a terrible person when he joins. That's me. true. It'll be fine, guys. Um, let's talk some news. I guess we'll uh, we're gonna throw an interview in after we talk. Division three things happen. USLD three coming in with the third and fourth team, um, or the fourth and fifth, I suppose. Fourth team for sure. Madison Wisconsin gets a team, which is awesome because it's a great. College Town, right where the Badgers are. Um, they'll be playing at Breeze Stevens Stadium. Sorry, um, which will include one point three million dollars of improvements to the facility, pending a city approval of ten years. Um, yeah, and a, and a really interesting color scheme of like Colgate <laughs> is immediately what I think of. Unfortunately, nice. of, of red and like pale blue. Um, I like it. But yeah, I'm really I'm really excited to have have Madison Wisconsin join. I've been, I
1: went to Madison back when I was in a, in a cool, cool, cool band and uh, we went up there and it was a lot of fun. It was a really nice city. It's not giant. It's kind of a classic college town, but it's got, Mm. you know, that small town charm mixed with lots and lots and lots of college age kids, which is a really good mix for a D3 soccer team. I'm super excited about Madison.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the, the other one, uh, FC Dallas is going to come in with a USL team in D3 and place them in Fort Worth. Phil, splicey, splicey. you did an interview with uh, with Sam, whose name I'm gonna, last name I'm going to butcher, so I, I just won't do it. Um, but yeah, you guys sat down for like 10, 15 minutes or so, and, and we're going to throw that in right about here. Um, so that'll be all the information you need on that one. All right, I'm joined now by a
1: special guest. It is Sam Stasekul, and he writes for MLSsoccer.com. Sam, you broke a piece on, um, or broke some news, rather, and wrote a piece on um, FC Dallas bringing in their new USL team, and um, we think it'll happen next year, and you said it would be Division Three, which was kind of
4: the newest part of the news there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. So it, there's nothing quite finalized yet from what I've been told. But it sounds like FC Dallas are working to get something done within the next 30 days um, where they have kind of everything completed um, for a USL Division Three team to start in 2019. Um, so obviously that's, that's pretty interesting, for, as you mentioned, for a few different reasons from Dallas' perspective, um, from what this means as far as uh, potentially future MLS second teams and what they might do in USL. Um, and you know, just from a USL D3, adding a new team potentially perspective as well. So a lot of different angles and a lot of different ways, uh, that this, that this was interesting to me and I'm, and I'm sure to you and a bunch of other people as well.
1: Yeah. It, it almost is a weird thing where FC Dallas is known for playing the kids and their Academy is, is so successful and they're able to bridge some of those guys up to the MLS squad. But then again, they've never had a gap. And I think that's, that's what Dan Hunt said in, in your interview, something about bridging the gap between, uh, between the Academy and MLS. So is there, is there, is that kind of what they're thinking
4: on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, this is a huge step and a, and a much, much needed step for them. Um, as you mentioned, they've had a great academy for a long time. They have a really talent-rich area there. Um, they win a lot of national titles in the Development Academy. They've graduated a ton of academy kids um, to professional contracts as homegrowns. Um, I believe the most in MLS history, but they haven't really had success with a lot of those guys. Mm. Um, I they only have four now that have really ever played any significant minutes in mls so that's kellen acosta jesse gonzalez Victor uh and reggie cannon who's only you know getting his first minutes or first taste of real run of minutes um right now um so they they've struggled to get those academy kids that they've signed um to turn them into successful pros and they've been pretty open both that interview mentioned with dan hunt that i did last year and Oscar Pereja has been pretty open about it, and Fernando Clavijo, their technical director, has been pretty open about it, um, that they need to find a way to get these kids minutes. And they've they've obviously worked with USL affiliates in the past, um, with Oklahoma City in specific. Specifically, I know they've sent guys on loan to a few other teams throughout the years as well. But, you know, there are issues there in terms of, all right, if they sign a sign the guy to OKC and they want to get a kid minutes for one or two weeks, well, what's the incentive for Oklahoma City to play that kid? They're trying to do their own thing, draw their own fans, build their own team. Um, They don't really want a 19-year-old coming in and out um, and and kind of throwing off their rhythm. So this is definitely the best way to do it. They can have these kids train with the first team all the time and and get the minutes at USL on the weekend. um, And hopefully, from their perspective, start to bridge that gap better and turn more of those promising academy kids into promising professional players.
1: Yeah, and you kind of mentioned OKC there. Um, You're also keeping them in-house. So, you know, Perejas, you know, from what I've read, is a guy that has a specific way of playing, a specific way he wants to bring these kids up. And it seems to be working in the academy system. So, you know, this is another stage for them to have their own system in place, just not on that high level with all the pressure.
4: Yeah, and I think that's huge, having them stay in-house and being able to train with the first team. I know several teams. I know New England has done it over uh the past couple of years where they actually uh, they did this with matt turner who who's playing really well for them as goalkeeper this this year where he played i, I believe like 25 games or so with richmond last season but he actually trained with the Revs um during oh, the week interesting and, and he would fly down um to richmond for games or to wherever they were playing whether it was on the road or at home for games um So, I mean, that's obviously not really an ideal situation. You can kind of pull it off with a goalkeeper, right, because he might not need to train really with the team he's Mm. playing with. Um, But, you know, if you're trying to get a field player minutes, well, he should probably go train with that team. But then you're taking him out of your own environment. You're taking him away from your own coaches. um, You're not letting him get comfortable with with his teammates on the MLS team. And you're kind of, I don't want to say stunting his development, because the USL team can develop him just fine probably. Mm. But not developing him in the environment that you want to develop him. Um, So I think it's really important to have that in market. Uh, Completely agree
1: with that. And uh, we've seen some of the MLS guys struggle if they go down last minute in their first game. So it does make a difference for sure. Um, And speaking of MLS teams, there are several MLS two squads. I think you said in in the article that there's eight. I should know offhand how many there are. Uh, But we lost, you know, in in, we lost Montreal, Orlando and Vancouver um, in the last few years. So is this perhaps a trend that's
4: going to be developing over over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think from the MLS team's perspective, um, in a lot of ways, it's preferable to be in D2. The mm-hmm. level of competition will likely be higher, um, so you can kind of develop those guys a little bit, I guess. You can develop them ag- against better competition, right? That's always preferable if you can do it. Um, that said, uh, as we know, the Division Two standards are higher than the Division Three standards, right? So you have to have that 5,000-person stadium. You have to have a certain amount of net worth and market size and all that jazz. Um, and it's more expensive to field a team in D2 from all of that perspective, from a travel perspective, most likely. Um, so for a team that might not want to make that investment, that full investment in D2, um, but wants to have a reserve team, I think D3 is a pretty solid option, um, especially if you're a team like Dallas, where that team is really going to be consistent, uh, consisted of a lot of teenage, a lot of really young kids. Um, so even if you're playing them in D3 and even if, and and I say if, because we don't really know what the standard in D3 is going to be, because it doesn't exist yet. Um, but if the standard is lower, it's probably a little bit less of a concern just because A, they're training with your first team. Um, and B, maybe they're 16 and 17 year olds anyway,
2: you Mm -hmm. know?
4: So, so just getting them minutes period is a good thing. But I think primarily it's a situation where they can save on costs a little bit, as for those three teams you mentioned, uh, Vancouver, Montreal, and Orlando, I would expect we see at least maybe Orlando. I mean, I, I don't really know. No, this isn't based on community reporting or anything. This mm-hmm. is speculative. But I wouldn't be shocked to see Orlando get back in the game with USL D3. It's a little bit of a lower-cost option, a little bit of an easier financial um, move for them. For Vancouver and Montreal, I wouldn't be shocked to see them either, although for them, the Canadian Premier League probably factors in as well. Right. Um and of how how that's handled with MLS reserve teams and if they want to get involved um, with that league. Obviously, that's not an option for Orlando, but that could be an option for uh, Montreal and for Vancouver.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting to see the dance with uh, USL wanting to raise their standards and teams barely making the cut and sometimes still needing those waivers. So, um, you know, it is interesting to watch that. Are there any MLS squads that you've heard or, or do you think it's a possible that some will drop down to three, not just restart in three, but maybe
4: drop down from two to three? I haven't heard anything, although that's that's certainly something that I could potentially see happen. Mm. Um, like I said earlier, I think most MLS teams, especially the ones that are currently in D2 would probably prefer to stay there. Um, but in some situations you have issues with stadiums, mm-hmm. right? So in those standards, I, I can't remember exactly, but I believe Kansas city is had issues with Swope park stadium, um, and, and keeping that up to standards. So you can potentially see, maybe they don't want to drop down, but you could potentially see it team be kind of forced to drop down mm-hmm. because they're not able to meet the, meet the D2 standards. Um, but we'll see about that. Um, it's, it's certainly an option now, however, so I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if, if somebody dropped down. But then you look at some, some of these teams, um, you know, Salt Lake just built a brand new stadium for Real Mana. So I don't anticipate they yeah. would be dropping doing that. Um, and then you look at the teams like Houston, who have the affiliation with RGV, and San Jose with Reno, and even Seattle now um, with the Tacoma Rainiers baseball team, and they're running the business side and playing in Tacoma. Um, I would expect those teams as well to stay in d two, given that you know the business side of it is less of a concern for them, and they can kind of maintain control of the technical side of things and you know still hopefully draw crowds and and put a decent product on the field um, in d two. yeah, every,
1: everyone's kind of feeling their way through this process, aren't they? And things are seem yeah. to be working working out. For sure. Um, anything else you'd like to say? Uh, you've had a lot of conversations, it sounds like, with uh, people since this article dropped. You've been kind of slumming it with us here in, in Tier 2 and 3. <laughs> so anything you want to say right. before we
4: go? Um, I think I covered pretty much most of it in terms mm-hmm. of... But but I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out long term. Um, I think D3 is something that uh, MLS teams are going to look at for their reserve teams. I think it's something that USL might try and push MLS reserve teams to. Um, again, that's, that's more on speculation than actual reporting, but that's a thought that I've heard people express, um, just with USL wanting to make their league, you know, independent standalone, um, and have the best possible teams. Um, and that typically doesn't involve reserve teams. So maybe we see more teams go to a hybrid model. Maybe we see teams go down to D three. Maybe we see teams like, like they're doing in Salt Lake, build a stadium for their D two (laughs) team and, and kind of go, go on that route. But um, I do think this this is going to create a little bit of change, just ha- having the D3 there um, and having it available. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out and whether or not it's a it's a good option, um, or if these MLS teams consider it a good option um, for their reserve squads
1: completely agree uh so that is sam stays talk to us about uh his his reporting on fc dallas going into usld3 thank you for joining me sam and uh, you can find all of his writing on mlssoccer.com thanks man thanks so much
0: cool that was an interview that came at your face um i hope you enjoyed it i'm sure it was i mean i listened to it earlier it's good stuff it's phil talking to people that's what he does best (laughs) um and then what else we got going on here Hartford trademark the name Hartford Athletic, guys. I'm just going to be honest. That's a, that's a really bad misstep because it's not the Whalers or anything related to whaling.
1: I th- I thought everyone made it abundantly clear what they needed abundantly to do here. Clear. Yeah, yeah. But
2: fine. Ryan, no, it's, not, it's not terrible. It could. I mean, they could partner with Wigan Athletic, new English Championship side, in Manchester City killers in the FA Cup, or they could call themselves. So- the Hartford hearts and partner with Hartford of the end. But I don't think it's a terrible name. They can keep the color scheme. I and mean, I still believe the Hartford whalers is still owned by um, the NHL or as their trade yeah. name. Mm-hmm.
1: Carolina hurricanes. Yeah. The colors will help a little bit. We can still call them the whalers without their permission. So
0: mm-hmm. or express written consent of the national hockey league.
1: Right? No, I intend to break those rules.
0: Um, mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> um always yeah 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 and Ryan it's not a terrible name I'm I'm like I don't get the athletic thing because it implies that there's more clubs coming kind of like how sporting a team and a cricket like like and then it just never happens um but I'll I'll get over myself I'll be all right
2: (laughs) I mean it's not a bad name it's better than just calling it Hartford United or Hartford FC or Hartford City or something like that. I still wish they would have gone with the Wales City FC early, and that I believe was trademarked earlier.
1: Yeah, I agree with they you, They were just trying to get a wide
2: variety of names.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And it's the first athletic, you know, above in pro soccer, I think, in the United States, right? There's no other one. So that's cool. Someone had to take it. And the other one
3: that we can really know of, I mean, there could be lots of, I guess, there could be amateur teams out there who yeah. knows what but yeah yeah.
1: semi-pros there's an Atletico in St. Louis
0: for sure so that's, that's neat. neat yep do you think maybe um, they didn't go with yeah and then it's, it's, it's like it's an old old uh, expired well I think like I think they couldn't go with Whalers because the um, Carolina Hurricanes literally own that name oh really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and like actively want to use it now cuz their new owner, why do I know this? Their new owner came in and was like, "We want to like honor the Hartford Whalers more, so they're going to start using the the old jerseys and everything a little heavily or more heavily." Not that they're going to rebrand to the Carolina Whalers, but huh. Yeah, they have that license and they're going to start to use it. They so. could
1: have, they could have pulled like a Lakers thing. What other yeah. teams have done that? I forgot. But yeah, the LA um, Lakers used to be what I mean, Minnesota the kept
2: the Hornets for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And they changed Winnipeg to Jets the were the
0: Winnipeg Jets and they were the Coyotes and they moved the Atlanta Thrashers to Winnipeg. It's uh, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Um hey guys. Uh, league news, if you'd like to buy a USL club, which I know we all would like to, um, if we each pony up a cool... Heh, he's not here. <laughs> if we—if each, <laughs> uh, if each of us put up a cool $1 million, the five of us that are normally here, uh, we would be able to get a club. Expansion fees are now $5 million, which is always a cool thing to see. Um, and then there's some interleague cup things may be coming i don't know how much i believe of this but apparently it would be between usl proper and usl d3 and then maybe um liga mx ascenso and then the the canadian premier league i guess Mm -hmm. um which is just way too many what was that kev well, I was going to say does that imply
3: that the Canadian Premier League when it gets created and starts is immediately at the level of USL so not yeah as which as i don't West?
0: know no yeah i don't
1: think so because i think that's the best part of this interleague play is that it's D2 USL D3 USL and then Mexican D2 all those guys could be way better than any USL team possibly mm. and then the Canadian I think that's Premier more what League they're getting
2: at with testing pro rail is they're trying to see how big of a difference would there be between the different divisions how spread out would it be how feasible would a team from d3 be able to say if they get promoted how feasible could they compete with d2 yeah
1: that's fair. Wish the open cup would take care of too, but I love that they're including those other countries. I think it's so I cool. do. I,
0: I think, I think Mexico is really neat. I don't think Canada will join just because of what you said, Phil, where I don't think they're going to want to be looked at as a D2 league off the jump. No, I don't think so either. And I was kinda getting at that, like
1: I think they'll fall between D two and three, maybe even worse than D three at yeah, first. I,
0: I honestly and and it's gonna be great for the Canadian national team pool because it's gonna be guys that are gonna get better just because they're playing more that haven't had chances elsewhere and it's not, you know, an indoor league, so it's it's a little more of a natural jump. But I, I don't think it's gonna be um close to USL in terms of quality.
1: Do you think it'll be lower than D three perhaps?
0: Uh, I don't want to go that far because yeah. I think that's,
1: but it's still pro soccer. Those these guys are is, get and paid. that's what matters. Yeah. And,
0: and that's what I'm excited about, but I don't think that they're going to really make huge headways in that. They're going to be rivaling MLS or USL even, you yeah. know, right off the bat. Yeah, but, I agree, but good for
1: Canada. Are we all kind of root for Canada, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. They got to give him I love
0: Canada. Years. I think. Yeah. I'm just really excited that Nova Scotia has a team out in Halifax. Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's really neat yeah <laughs> it's an excuse to i'm go excited to see uh to see team names for sure i know that they have a couple i forgot oh, cavaliers I, or calvary the calgary cavalry which is uh, terrible to say but it's a great name
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh and i want to hear some accents too have you guys heard of heard the uh, accents out on the east side of of canada it, they're pretty. One good. of my best
0: friends is a is an Atlantic Canadian, so yeah, I'm I'm very familiar. Get ready for car with two R's, everybody.
2: <laughs> I do find to a tour Canadian, one from the east and one from the west. So yeah, I heard that.
1: I can't remember if it's Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, but there's like a sect on the on the coast there, like this fishing town where they have the craziest accents I've ever heard in Canada. It's Newfies, Newfies are crazy. Is that what? That's what it
0: is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Man, we could, we could have a whole off-topic podcast about accents, I guess. Oh, easily, easily. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, and then, you know, after all this D3 news and the news about the league, let me see if I'm not missing anything. No. No, we'll come back to those. Uh, Nashville decided to make a bunch of news this week. One, Ian Iyer, um, formerly of Liverpool, the, the former CEO of Liverpool, is now in, uh, in Nashville. Um, and, uh, the Speedway guys did a great job and and obviously our, our friends at, at Golden Goal as well, covering that whole thing, which is really interesting. And, and that's a really big get for them. Cause I think it's crazy that they didn't have a soccer minded guy at the helm in some capacity with, with the CEO. Mm. Um, but I mean, Nashville's doing everything right in terms of building a roster more on that in a second. Um, and then setting up their front office, and it's it's really cool to be able to be a part of that in in any way, shape, or form.
2: It's reminiscent of Atlanta United signing a uh, former Tottenham uh, person, uh, Darren Eels, to be their president. I can definitely see a lot more of the MLS hopefuls following this route of looking towards Europe to sign in basically soccer know hows from the continent to bring them over here to try and build clubs basically from the ground up.
0: yeah um phil any thoughts i mean i i think we're all gonna have a little bit more to say about the next piece of news involving nashville but
1: (laughs) no i like it i i like you know what i you know what bothers me about them and perhaps um ian's gonna fix this but um i've always said it bothers me how nashville hasn't and, and even Cincinnati, you know, once they announce their their MLS thing, which we all assume is going to happen. Uh, neither of these clubs have much of an academy system going. Mm. And so that's what bothers me. And that's the thing with Atlanta. Or if, if you do compare them to Atlanta, Atlanta, the first thing they did was build that training ground and start an academy. And yeah. I, I always thought that was the coolest thing. And I'm waiting for Nashville and, and perhaps Cincinnati to start working on that because it's vital. In the in the same in the same vein as FC Dallas starting finally a D three. If you guys listen to extra time for, about MLS ever, I listen to it as often as I can get to it. Um, you know, and that's where I got um, Sam Stay to to talk to me as I listened to that conversation about Dallas. And um, Matt Doyle talked about how it could be um, part of what made FC Dallas start to fall behind suddenly. You know, they're known for playing yep. the kids and all this, and, and we talk about it a little bit. But I mean, even even matt doyle who loves the usl by all accounts i've heard um has started to say perhaps fc dallas has been struggling partially because they don't have a usl squad and so you could say that about academies as well but
3: my question then is why did they decide to create a d3 as opposed to a 2 since money lower startup costs i mean not the but but he created two teams So I don't, I...
1: I truly think it's money just like Evan said and and I don't really feel like the organization has valued USL because why the hell haven't they started one yet you know right. it's taken all this time for them to start a USL team and then they're just like well let's try d3 you know like they it almost feels like they still don't trust it or think it's worth worth their while mm-hmm. and I think they're wrong well, if, if, that's if that's how the they case,
3: feel. then I'm okay with them going D, you know creating d3 and not d2 because I mean two sides have a bad enough reputation you know, of not giving USL the you know, the, the importance that it might deserve. Mm-hmm. So, if Dallas is just like we don't we don't give a rip about USL, which is yeah. why you're on a team, and then they all of a sudden realize you know, we got to do something. Like I, that makes me think that, that all they're going to do is use it for development. And if it's strictly development, then D three. It, it's it said from
2: their release article that it would be a strictly development team.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. It just makes sense, and I I appreciate it. Props to them. I would I would thank them if I could walk up to someone and be like, "Hey, listen, Oscar Perea thank you so mm. much for going D three and not D two because we we don't need that mess." Well, and,
0: and I think they might have been influenced by Orlando City B is coming back as a three.
1: That's the word. Yeah, and and perhaps if, even if they the, if when they come back,
0: yeah. uh, that might have had a factor. You know. Um, we'll see. And if Rochester, well, if the, uh,
1: Montreal, Vancouver want to come back, the doors open. No, they. The, mm,
0: nope. Okay. Okay. just <laughs> no. saying they could. They could. They very well could. But okay. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that that's going to happen. You're to turning any, down so. free wins. Free wins. Yeah. yeah. That's, possibly. Uh, And then then the big piece of news that came out this morning about 11 Eastern um, Bethlehem Steel FC transfer, straight transfer, uh, Brandon Allen to Nashville, which allegedly uh, the most money Nashville FC uh, has ever paid for a transfer without saying anything. No one knows, to be honest, how much how much money it is. Uh, I poked around oh, because wow. I was curious, but I would imagine it's about the house as far as, as USL transfers go. Um,
1: do you think that's cause he's a striker or because a it's mid season or do you think he actually deserves that money?
0: Um, I, I and I said it to, to golden goal. I said, it's a for club and country. I said, it's to to the speedway boys. Uh, I, I think what Nashville needs more than anything else, if you look at their last couple of results, is a guy that can just score. Um and Brandon Allen can give have to be defensive. And if he if he has guys that can create for him, then he'll be fine and this'll be great. Um and in terms of you know looking towards the future for them in what two years, year and a half when they're in MLS, that's a good guy to have off the bench.
1: Hmm. Yeah, good move for him uh, too I, in that way, huh?
0: Yeah, um, but the Moloto and Mensa were really coming into their own as a as a duo, um, and I don't know how they'll all fit in if they can push Moloto and Mensa out to the wings and have Allen play up top. That'll be dumb in a good way, um, but I I mean it, it's simple as he wasn't a good fit in Red Bull. Bethlehem got him on a free I think so they took a look obviously scored twice against Richmond you know good hold up play can push a defender anywhere he wants to push them in the box but outside of the box and on defense he just doesn't do enough especially compared to you know what they had last year with Corey Burke in Bethlehem what they have this year with Aiden that recent results you get you know a good win against Red Bull and then you get another good win on the road against Indy and you have Apodaca up front. Maybe that helps a little bit.
2: I think it also leads towards that Nashville has basically in their time in USL and open cup, they haven't scored more than two goals in a match this year. And they're still, I believe they're a sneaky good side that can't be overlooked despite their 10th place, despite them being in 10th place at the current Eastern conference table. So maybe signing Allen would be a way to help them boost the scoring a bit, especially as they move on into the summer months, particularly if against Mississippi, if they want to go further in the open cup as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's open cup. I didn't even think about needing depth for that, but, um, you know, it, <laughs> that's a big deal. Neither did anybody else in the USL. Oh man. Yeah. Everyone's going swell. All the independent <laughs> clubs are going smaller. It seems like, but, um, yep. Yeah, I mean I, I I told everyone basically that I feel like this move parallels Velesky a lot in Saint Louis, where I think Saint Louis thought, Well, we're doing well at striker. Um, Bethlehem's not having a lot of trouble scoring goals. They're they everyone on that team practically is scoring a goal right now. Yeah, they're basically. spreading it around. And so, you know, they they could do without one guy and maybe that clears up some salary to pick up someone else that they have their eyes on or uh, you know who knows but it could also be good for Valesky and Allen to get out out to somewhere where they perhaps get more minutes get a better chance yeah. you know it's good they, for they both get of those to be guys
4: the
0: guy they don't get to be a guy in a system on a team that values the system and development more than than the player they get to be the the player that's valued in the system i guess if yeah. that makes sense
1: and let's be honest both teams need that position to perform they're desperate mm-hmm. for that position right. to do yeah. well so
0: uh, could be good for them I can't wait till the you know we play Nashville on August twenty fifth. I think get a, <laughs> a score hat trick and I will look really dumb. <laughs> He's gonna have a chip uh, on his shoulder. So yep, 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 yep. Again, four clubs in one year does not a a a, a <laughs> short term memory make. I suppose. Yeah. Uh. MLS debut for Emra Clemente, the former Sacramento Republic player, um, got his debut with the Galaxy in in their Victoria Day win over Montreal. That was a really rough match to watch, unrelated to USL.
2: Mm. (laughs) Anyway. I mean, it had Zlatan getting a red card, his first red card in a match since uh, Champions League 2014 and his first league match since 2012. Yeah, it was Also good. hard to watch. It was awful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not a great game. Uh, LA tried to pass out of the back, and they're not built to pass it out of the back. Um, they still got three points. It's fair. True. It's fair. Uh, and then Tyler Adams might be going to Leipzig, which makes sense, because, you know, oh, he is going. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Uh, the Red Bull Evil Empire grows. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if Jesse Marshall joined him. That's the word, right? <laughs> I think that's, that's been the word for like two years.
1: I thought it was like, a little weird that neither one of these guys got a shot in Austria in Salzburg first. I thought that might be a step up because you got the Europa League opportunity there. Yeah. And they skipped right up to the top. At least the rumors are saying they are. So
2: maybe they're considering Leipzig a bit more just for the number of other purple and Americans that play in Bundesliga. It's Mike Bobby Wood for a hamburger. Or Pulisic, obviously for Dortmund. Although he could be going to Liverpool or somewhere else in the summer. But so maybe they just consider the Bundesliga as a different or more comparable league. Hmm. Sean Anthony Brooks, Wolfsburg,
1: true. Schalke, got to talk about Schalke. They got like four Americans at least. Yeah, gotta. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, this is the USA League. This is a USL boy, so USL should ours. be, yeah. This sh- USL should be saying this is this is what we're here for—to to build guys like this. They get their start at a young age, playing against grown men, and look how far they can get. And this is awesome. Good for him. And I, th- I think more and more <laughs> will will <laughs> we'll, we'll happen like this. What's funny? What would I say?
0: No, 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 no. You said he was a young guy get playing against old men, and I'm like, he's still oh. like a kid. He is. Was he 19? I thought he was older. Some of like, that. Yeah. I think he's 19. No, he's 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 young. He's a baby. I said I was conflicted only because I it's great that he's leaving Red Bull New York because I hate Red Bull New York. Um <laughs> but I'm I'm a little hesitant to see him go to such a big stage early on. Yeah, a lot of people are saying but. he's he's
1: ready to go now and that he shouldn't wait any longer and I I think he could still learn from MLS for another perhaps half a window, you know, half a season, but no longer yeah, than that.
2: Yeah. It said he would be at the end of the MLS season, so I guess that would allow for enough time to oh, okay. get through, especially if Red Bulls end up making a playoff run, which I think currently they're they'd be pegged for around like a fifth or sixth place finish in the East, which would be a playoff spot. Hmm.
0: Yeah, would they would they let him stay for the playoff or would they take him before,
2: I would imagine they'd let him see it out, right? Would wouldn't through it, the end of the MLS Bowl are currently fourth in the Eastern Conference at the moment but they're destroying
3: wouldn't the time that he would transfer be dependent upon the win- the transfer window of the league that he would be joining
0: uh. Uh, better people that know more about transfer windows <laughs> would be able to answer that I'm sure and so but if he's already agreed to a pre transfer window deal would it I guess they they could loan him to Red Bull quote unquote loan him to to New York so he could finish up I don't know I wonder if they, they
2: want sign
3: that's one way of doing it if they want to transfer in the summer and that way then they yeah. can pull him before a transfer Whatever. window, but yeah. I'm pretty sure if they don't sign him, if he like, like if he doesn't go to another club in the summer, and whether he gets loaned back or not, then the next window would be the winter transfer window for if he's going to Bundesliga. That would be uh, January. January. Uh, Can't remember if it's a little bit in December or not, but it's it's January at least a couple of weeks there. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: Yeah, I think it's January, and by then Munich probably would have already wrapped up the title.
1: Yeah, so you know, yeah, just bring him over out. then. Yep. Yeah. Let him play every game. Who cares? <laughs> it's not like they're pining for his talent, you know, either. So I imagine it's they could true. let him. Go. It's
0: true. It's true. But I mean, again, you'd rather have a, a depth guy like that, especially if you know, for Leipzig, who are in some form of European competition. Oh yeah, in
2: Europa League. Next Europa
0: year. League. You need the depth. Yeah. And there's the DFB Pokal, so you know there's there's tournaments there. Yeah, they the Europa League. Use them for okay.
1: Oh, you know what? While while we brought that up, that's yeah. the
0: only question about the intra league
1: play is that how is that going to work with scheduling? Is that going to be after the Open Cup? And so that would be a really
0: cool preseason tournament.
1: Oh yeah, that would be even better as a preseason tournament. I hope it's preseason then. But if it's during the regular <laughs> just, season, that is rough on some of these clubs we just talked about. Yeah,
0: and, and that's why I don't think they would do it. Yeah. Honestly.
1: I think you're probably right. But something to yeah. think about and talk about, you know, because yeah, if it's not preseason, that's going to be tough. That's going to be real tough.
2: Well, I know with um in England and Scotland, a lot of them, they do a League Cup and basically their Football Association Cup and they always do the League Cup and the First half of the season, mm. and then the mm. later stages when the higher up clubs enter in for the basically their FA Cup, they would enter in that in like the second half of the season. Mm. Like for Scotland, Celtic wrapped up the League Cup title in November, and then they didn't enter into Scottish Cup play until January.
0: Hmm. And what do
1: you know think the top of my
2: head?
0: No, go ahead. How, like, how the code works. Hmm. which is there like because it would be dependent on when that started and like you said the u.s open cup starts weirdly early so i mean if yeah if they could i think all all those leagues would start hopefully for the canadian premiership although with the winters they get up there they might start later uh but anyway if you could have it preseason, like march february that'd be that'd be cool i agree Take a little bit of the pressure off everybody too. A little bit. Yeah, the other
1: part about this that we didn't talk about, and I'm kind of curious what you guys think is how how do you use this as a testing ground for Pro Rel? In what way do you think? Ryan, have you thought about that?
2: I alluded to earlier a little bit, basically saying it would test I it could be about how well the quality of these lower leagues are to match up to D2, if D2 teams keep blowing these teams out of the water, then we can see that ProRoute would still be a few years off in terms of development. Mm -hmm. But if they provide competitive matches or occasionally knock off a team here and there, or like we saw in the Open Cup this past year with a bunch of NPSL and PDL sites knocking off USL competition, then it could provide that, okay, if we look outside of off-the-pitch stuff, on the pitch, at least there will be comparable competition. And these teams would be able to compete instead of getting immediately relegated.
0: Hmm.
4: Mm.
0: And I, I think part of it also might be, let's just do, uh, I'm trying to think of who I want to use as examples. Pittsburgh, will you travel to Madison, Wisconsin? Hmm. Yeah. Figure out how that if D two clubs now, if D three teams come up, Down would they would they travel as fans and support their club regardless of where they went, kind of thing.
2: I mean, they use that as well with the tweet base saying to test to gauge the interest of it. And so, I guess they're looking at more so of like, how would you feel about playing some of these other locations? I know with the Open Cup, it's tied a lot to just regionally, and you play a lot of the same opponents over and over like even though they didn't get there, if Charlotte would have won their match against ocean city, they would have gone to carry. He once again, like they have in the past two to three seasons, I believe, but with this new interleague cup, it would allow them the chance to say, Hey, would you want to go up to Madison or would you want to play South Georgia or go down into Florida, play the Lakeland tropics for instance, or just any other teams, just give a new variety of clubs for people to face.
0: Yeah. It's a,
2: little yeah, more, I like
1: it's a little more of that Las Vegas feel, you know, like bringing in all the shtick because you can kind of do what you want with this, with this division two soccer. Yeah. And it's not something MLS is going to try. You know, this is only something that, that USL is going to go out there and do and say, Hey, we want to just do this random tournament, and we're going to invite you, we're going to invite you, and just bring in all these different people. And it also has the benefit of being able to gauge where everybody is, talent level-wise and competition-wise. I think it's really, really cool.
2: They could almost do it, kind of like how um, college basketball does, kind of like begin beginning beginning of the year tournament it's like the battle for atlantis the preseason in it yeah you know, like they just invite a bunch of different teams from a, a variety of different conferences <laughs> or, or maybe they've seen the success of the charleston
0: cup that the battery put on and want to see if they can't make some of their own magic in mm-hmm. the same kind of vein what so
1: tell me more about that? I don't know exactly what happened there.
2: The Carolina um, Challenge, Charleston will host like the, the challenge cup, mm. right? Yeah, the Carolina Challenge Cup where they invited us. From the US. Uh, I think this year they did um, Atlanta. I know the Columbus crew won it this year, so I think it was Atlanta, Columbus, and there was one more team I can't recall who off the top of my head. I know Seattle was there a few Ooh, years yeah,
0: ago. Yeah, yeah, I know they like to bring in a Western team, uh, whatever.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, it, I know Atlanta and Columbus were definitely there because yeah. the crew ended up winning it. I, and I think, I'm not sure, I, I think Seattle was also there, but they like to basically hold these preseason tournaments. I know when um, NYCFC and Orlando were entering the league their first season, they were both down in Charleston for that. Cool.
1: I like it. <laughs> <laughs> there it
0: is. Brilliant! Welcome to our live broadcast of Portland Timbers versus FC St. Pauli. They are our streaming year, it. Our live through us recorded broadcast. <laughs> that you won't be able to hear until. Audio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. Um, the open cup happened. I shouldn't say that the, the whole tournament's not over, but the second round at least happened. And, um, actually North Carolina are taking care of business. Currently
2: they so, already won. Good
0: for them. Uh, but man, terribly, um, I'm just going to start running down. North Carolina beat Lansdown boys, three 0 Pittsburgh Riverhounds got past the Erie Commodores. Two to one took Richmond penalty kicks against Reading United. Uh, gave Richmond took the win. Um, Louisville took care of Long Island, five nil Penn FC beat Motown three, one, um, in extras, or did they just leave
2: it late? I not, think they left it late. Yeah, not in extras. They, they scored late. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Tormenta FC won nothing. Um, Charlotte lost to Ocean City one to three. In uh, in a very bad game. Um, non-related to us game. FC Cincinnati after extra time beat Detroit city (laughs) FC four to one, unfortunately or fortunately depending. I mean, um, game was a lot closer than that scoreline. I think Cincinnati just had more quality or um, uh, fitness. Um, Mississippi Bria Brilla beat Indy 11, one nothing Uh, Tulsa lost to Wichita four to three. Uh, Phil, you guys got past Duluth FC comfortably 2-0. Sacramento beat San Francisco 3-1. Jacksonville beat Tampa Bay, which is probably part of why Stu Campbell got fired. And um, uh-huh. let's see. Miami United FC beat Miami FC. That's confusing. And then uh, Nashville SC beat Inter-Nashville FC 2-0. So Nashville's first... Uh, open cup look in the first ever Nashville Derby. Um, Tucker Hume scores twice, and then the North Texas, I guess, and EX mm-hmm. after extra time beat Oklahoma City Energy FC five to two. Um, so buried in there, Stu Campbell got fired this week, um, <laughs> or I guess last weekend, um, which was amazing. But I think what was surprising is that Neil Collins replaced him. Um, and for a team that doesn't have a fantastic back line to move your best center back off the field and mm-hmm. onto the, the coach, you know, the technical area, it's a bit of a strange decision. We'll see how it works. I think Neil Collins will be a fine coach. I think he's, he's more than qualified. I think he's a, a great locker room guy, but I don't know how smart that was from Tampa Bay.
2: Um, although, I, you know, I do think it was time for the result against Pittsburgh. He made 67 appearances with with, with the Rowdies, 508 across his entire career. Yeah, I mean, he even had the captain's armband against uh, uh, Jacksonville that long was. And I, I, if I recall also, but I definitely think after the start, the Rowdies had, it's something oh, yeah. needed to be changed. And as it is with in football or any other sport in the world, the easiest thing when something needs to be changed immediately, the easiest thing to do is to just fire the manager.
1: Huh, interesting.
2: I mean and it would take a while to get rid of players or to change up formations, but the easiest thing to do in anything would be just to fire the manager. And definitely props to Neil Collins. I know um he's also a Scottish International and he played for uh, he started his career with Queen's Park and also played for Dunbar in two clubs I did see when I was over in Scotland. But I think this will overall be a very good move or er, move for them. I definitely still see the Rowdies as a playoff team, and now without the Open Cup, they can at least focus more in on league play. Hopefully, starting to turn things around on, on the road. I know they go to Toronto SC2 this week and should hopefully get their second away win this weekend.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the the downside of this is you don't see change happening when you when you hire someone within like this. Maybe, maybe you will, but I think that's pretty much a consensus already is that this is, you know, I think unused subs, as much as it was a surprise that they hired someone that was already on the team, this is one of the guys they named off as a possibility yeah. only because Edwards seems to like his buddies and he likes to keep them close. And I think people were saying, you know, um, Stu wasn't going to get fired just for that reason alone, but but he did pull the trigger, and yes, yep. he did he did bring in someone else close to him. We can only assume, but um, you know, something to watch is that is that team going to change at all? Is he going to be able to turn around the the away messes that have been as of late? Interesting.
3: So uh, I'm going to interrupt you guys. Please Apologies, do. but uh, the other crew if you guys obviously if anyone didn't believe i was here when i was trying to get a word in edge-wise, <laughs> before the speakers came over should prove it <clears throat> but i'm gonna go ahead and cut off because i gotta run downstairs and meet some uh, fcc and poly fans
1: nice enjoy bye,
3: have fun i will have fun you guys enjoy the rest of the show i'll be sure to listen brilliant take care
0: later guys bye buddy um Right. What the what the unused subs guys have, have always said, which has always been interesting, is that the, their poor away form isn't necessarily a coach or, or player's problem. It's just always been a thing.
2: One thing I... Um, it existed last year. You know, oh, you, sure. I believe, or I think they were third in the Eastern Conference last year. I could definitely see them being at least number one or above Charleston. Mm-hmm. They could definitely have been above Charleston for that number two seat if they were a little bit better on the road. Right.
1: One thing they said in that last episode before um, before he got fired for unused subs, they said um, that they do the same thing no matter what and they don't really adjust, so perhaps that's something they can change. But they said something about that. When they're away, people just know what to expect, and they know how Mm -hmm. to play them, and and it's just there's been no mystery, and you can't do that in USL anymore. I think three years ago you could have, and I think tactics have really, really (laughs) progressed in usl and and the coaching has gotten better and it's yeah you just can't do it anymore and so that's a good thing and a bad thing obviously right right
0: (laughs) yeah playing playing a system is fine like coming out and saying this is how we set up this is how we're gonna play that's great but if it's to the point where you, a very good team with a very high payroll, especially compared to a lot of the teams in the league, and, and a lot of really good players, I mean, God, this team still has Marcel Schaefer, they have Leo Fernandez, they have Yoshin Groff. they have, you know, on and on and on, and you can pick, you know, a different starting 11 every week for them and still come out on top, you know, what nine times out of 10, maybe hmm. for them to have a, to, you know, to be absolutely found out away from home is incredible in the, in the worst way possible. <laughs> like, I know. So, uh,
1: and it just got too bad. It got too bad where something had yeah. to be done. And and perhaps like Ryan said, they just firing the coach is what you do in that circumstance, no matter who the problem is. But Gosh, it's all—it's almost just so unacceptable for this team, especially you know this yep. team in Cincinnati, I mean, perhaps Phoenix. You see this, and you're like, "This we can't take. This isn't acceptable.
2: Mm, you can't do mm-hmm. this." I'm sorry. And yeah, the results were bad, but what was probably more poor form was this. After, basically, they beat North Carolina FC three-one in that opening match of the year. But since then, they have not scored a single goal on the road, dating back to March seventeenth. And that included results like a 5-0 loss to New York yeah. Bowl 2, 3-0 <laughs> loss to Penn FC, a 1-0 yeah. defeat to Richmond kickers to basically year a Richmond team that they probably should have beaten or at least drawn. And it got yes. to a point that results were just unacceptable on the road. And it'll be more difficult to gauge if they improve on the road because it's in their next eight matches, basically from this weekend up against Toronto FC2, they only have three road matches basically this weekend at Toronto. June 27th at Charlotte and then July 14th at Cincinnati. Everything else between that time is, re- is mm-hmm. basically home fixtures. So, I mean, that may be great for them building confidence, but we won't be able to gauge how well they play on the road, basically for the next month and a half. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good stuff there, Ryan. Where they should be in the table and then it'll be that Cincy match will be interesting
2: they're currently not for sure on the table.
0: That's so yeah. crazy. So crazy. Other games here that I think are crazy. Phoenix Rising getting taking the penalties on on Sporting Arizona is an interesting one. Yeah. Just kidding. Weird. They're gone. Um <laughs> so weird. Again, I do I need them to take the Open Cup seriously? No, not at all. I understand. Yeah. Should they have beaten Sporting Arizona regardless? Probably. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, what is it? You look at, I forget where he showed up, but Frank, Tay was a guy that stuck out as having a really good second round in the opening cup. I'm looking for it. I can't find it.
4: <laughs> um,
0: you know, but I, I think it's interesting because these kind of second round matchups where, um, you know, it's, it's guys that maybe used to play What's in. Called? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Wichita um, guys that used to play in in USL or even MLS, like Dilly Duca plays for FC Motown, kind of thing, you know. And
2: Chris here got a red card in his match.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, guys that used to play in USL teams that maybe they were on trial for the past on them, or you know, things like that. Where there's a lot more pride or urgency or or. Uh, meaning in for the for the little clubs like the NPSL sides and the PDL sides and you know, um then the USL teams because the USL teams are focused on winning the USL Cup.
2: Mm-hmm. And furthermore, with the way the of uh, uh, third round matches are paired up, we'll have two LQ NPSL and PDL sides guaranteed to be playing MLS or likewise competition, love- whereas USL will be able to get five. Guaranteed at a max of 10 if they can all win out. But I thought what was more surprising was in recent history, this has been one of the worst showings for the USL in their opening round of the open cup with only 68% of teams who entered moving on, whereas last year was basically a league basically a league best since 2014 of 88% of 16 out of 18, 82% in 2016, 76 in 2015, and 78% in 2014. So we're always used to this very high like majority like three out of four teams making it whereas this year it's been barely 82 thirds making it so i guess my main question is do you think this is more of pdl or MPSL clubs catching up towards some of the lower level usl teams like if you look at the teams it was tulsa okc who were all taken out or was it just more so that they just caught so many teams in a bad year or in a bad day
1: Well, we asked that, right? Uh, Phil. Well, no, we asked that. Are we allowed to? I don't know. We didn't ask him if we could tell him. So we've asked a player, and he truly thinks that he thinks the Tier 4 teams are getting better, the semi-pro teams are getting better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we can. I, I don't. Think Hugh would object. I I, I asked either. Hugh Roberts after it happened, who's on Backyard Footy, part of the Beautiful Game Network a podcast, and someone that I <laughs> constantly harass for information because of that that relationship we have in our podcasts. uh But I was like, yo, like you know, are these teams, like, are, is there you know, and, and obviously Pittsburgh Pittsburgh took care of business, so it wasn't them. But you know, or is it is it these USL guys not getting up for it? And he kind of said it was a combination of everything, but that those PDL and, and
2: psl teams are getting better um which is awesome i mean phil you to in the group chat though which it's a team not to be messed with yeah so
1: no. that's the other thing is I, I can't remember who their striker is but that dude looked really dangerous i think he's an indoor guy um and then mm-hmm. when we played him last year They were kind of sitting back and waiting to just explode. You could see them kind of coil the spring and just wait for their chance. And when they exploded, it was so dangerous because you could tell these two Mexican national team indoor soccer players um, were playing for them. And they knew each other, and they just would explode on the break. So dangerous, gave up so many goals. I did not envy Tulsa I mean they're a hard side to beat just because they know how to attack and take their chances so yeah I mean they're really good and there's these sneaky guys on all these teams Uh, that Detroit City FC that first goal was so good that was good yeah it really was they would have scored that goal on almost anybody so, um, you know, it's good stuff happening in the, in the fourth tier soccer. In fact, sorry, I'm, I'm going on a long thing, but I just saw St. Louis Maritza FC is this brand new, uh, semi-pro in UPSL. I just saw them play and it is probably the granted they're playing lower level competition, hmm. right? But it is the prettiest soccer I've seen in the United States. It, it was on the ground possession based they attacked, and they got they got through and scored more goals, and they defended really well. It was really a joy to watch, and good stuff is happening. And uh, the more we get, the better. You know, St. Louis is up to three semi-pro teams this year, and that's awesome. That's nothing but good for the United yeah. States.
0: To, um, we'll, we'll move on and talk a little bit about the, the USL week that was uh, before we get out of here, but just to highlight the um, – USL on USL violence we have coming up on on uh, tomorrow or today if you're listening to this May 23rd Pittsburgh and you'll play each other that'll be a fun one that'll be a, that'll be a fun one that's a playoff preview for you for free mm-hmm. um Richmond and Penn play each other which is interesting because that two te- that's two teams that probably should have done better um although Reading United formerly coached by Bethlehem Steel assistant uh, Stephen Hogan Have traditionally been a very very tough out in the Open Cup, so. Um, But Richmond and Penrose will play each other. Lewis in a matchup that uh, uh, Phil, I don't think you've missed (laughs) this (laughs) year in the Western. I haven't. I haven't. But let's um, say that you get to see them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then uh, San Antonio and Colorado, which will be an interesting one. Um, And then Reno and Sac Republic play each other. Lots so. of good matchups.
1: Open Cup. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun.
0: It's great. I just, I just wish the, and I know it's not the cup's fault, but I really, someone needs to throw some money into them getting Ugh. better live streams, please. please. You know what though? I'll,
1: I've has anyone not had a live stream? Because I think everyone's had a live stream, and I feel like it's the first time that's ever happened, ever.
0: Uh, I don't think, I don't think every. Uh...
2: You don't have to pay for these live streams. Too. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think access-wise, it's gotten a lot better from where it was a few years ago. And definitely wait until the MLS teams enter, especially if there's going to be a USL side. Or, for instance, say if FC Wichita get hot and can move on to play Minnesota, Chicago, Sporting KC, or some other team in the heartland. And then pass them. If you find some other Cinderella team like this tournament's FC Cincinnati, that'll attract a lot more attention Mm -hmm. and gain they see come back with ESPN and coming back to the tournament here, especially now with the new ESPN plus, they can definitely pop to their eyes on that uh, channel.
0: Yeah. It, even, uh, oh. even a team like Christos from last year where they, they played and almost beat them. I know, Exactly.
1: That's who Reading beat. Actually, you were talking about Reading being good. They beat. Yeah, yeah
0: that was unfortunate. Those were two teams I didn't want to see they have to play each other, but it's, yeah. it's um, um by rock solid, that's a, it's a, new, a factory in and of itself for development, the PDL side. Yeah. Um, but the U.S. U.S.
1: Federation, Soccer Federation needs to put someone in charge of Open Cup, just one person, and just let him try to grow it a little yeah. bit more, and then perhaps it'll bring in some revenue, and they can hire more people.
0: It needs to start. Someone make it a needs woman. Who it. cares? Why not? <laughs> make it just tell Jill Ellis she can stop coaching the women's national team and that she's in charge of this huge tournament. Oh she just gosh. needs to make it kick ass, and that'll be that'll be great.
1: I'll work for free for her doing that.
0: I would work for minimal money. I'm not going to say free. I'm going to say um, free. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Place to stay. Um,
4: it's yeah, true. <laughs> Food and drink.
0: <laughs> it's actually just her office. You sleep underneath of her desk. I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. My life anyway, in the open cup. Real quick. Anything. Yeah. I don't think I will be very happy about that. No, my family um, will hate me. Um anything you guys saw this week from from the the USL results
2: that was interesting in two games we had a combined 19 goals. Atlanta United 2 beat Toronto FC 2 surprisingly 5-4 ah. and on a Friday afternoon in Portland the ah. Timbers 2 defeated Losos 7-3 which has been the highest scoring match from the season. So
1: gross. Both those games were gross. Yeah. I don't like I like goals. I don't like them that
2: much. Yeah, I mean Portland had 3 goals within at stoppage time of 90. So bad. Yeah,
1: so yeah, bad. And that Atlanta, I said this uh in our private groups that Atlanta Toronto game was just like it was basically academies. It was basically U19s, I felt like. That's what it looked like. It was a lot See, of See, but like
0: I feel like Generation Adidas games are better than
1: that one. They might be. (laughs) You might be right. But the (laughs) Texas Cup isn't better than that. (laughs) It was about the same as the Texas Cup. That's what I meant to say. Or is it the Dallas Cup? What is it? I think it's the Dallas Cup. But, yeah, it was
2: gross. But from the players he scored for Toronto FC, too, those were all normal players. I recognize their roster. Luca Uccello got a brace. Ayo Akinos.
1: I think A.O.'s got his first start. I don't think he started before.
2: No, I, I recognize the name from Zora, but I know he's gotten minutes with US. So if you look over on Atlanta's side, oh, okay. Ayo, Michael Ambrose, basically, he, he also had a brace for Mario Williams, got a goal for the side. Uh, John Gallagher added mm-hmm. to his tally, and Brandon Vasquez.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Phil, anything, uh, anything to stick out for you this week? Week. You know, I got a weird one
1: <laughs> and I, I okay. watched, um, I watched part of the Las Vegas. Who are they playing Vegas versus yeah, Monarchs. Monarchs? Yeah. Uh, I think it's Velasquez or I forgot his name, but I saw him and I saw Langsdorf for the Timbers to score and their celebration. Mm. Have you seen this celebration where they put an L on their forehead and then,
0: yeah, they, it's the, it's uh, it's Fortnite. one of the many
1: Fortnite dances. Uh, okay. I knew I knew when I asked that question it would be like an old man sort of thing to ask but I was confused.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. don't like it any more than you do. No, I don't like it at all. But yeah, playing no, Fortnite, I'm not I'm not huge in the it, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> you score, you get to have fun, whatever. I don't That's care. That's true. Yeah. Do your thing. Um two things. One, big ups uh, to friend of the show prosperous friend of me, I, I don't know. Uh, Bethlehem steals becoming the first uh, uh, Zambian Planet States professional soccer, which was really cool. And did he hit that ball or what? Good God. um, Really innocuous ball. And then he just kind of took a touch and then said, I'll shoot. And it went in. And uh, Bethlehem get a, get a big win against Indy 11, who... Um, have not impressed me a ton this year, which I'm surprised by. I think they look a little flat. I don't know. I, I agree. I've
1: been saying it all season two. What did they look like to you in this game? I didn't watch it.
0: Um, uh, You know, I mean, they have quality players Um, and, you know, they scored and, and they can be dangerous. I, I just, I don't know.
2: Only I, I one think they, win in their last five.
0: Some of, the, some of the guys they play every week are very inconsistent. Like, they're super streaky. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think Fawn Williams could have done a little better on San Moira's goal, honest. That was not the best hit strike I've ever seen from him. And, and as a result, Indy don't get the three points, especially in such a, a, a big and potentially intimidating venue that they have in Lucas Oil. They got to get points there, um, for sure. Other thing, um, I watched uh, OKC Energy in Colorado Um, Mm, I watched some of that and, uh, man, Oklahoma, I'm, you know, it's good. They scored. They needed to score. They they needed to score. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but whoever they have whipping their crosses is great. Um, Oh my God.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, he is really good. That was
0: about 90 minutes of him whipping in balls and guys just not being able to get on the end of it. Um, on the flip side, Colorado Springs, I love Jamal Jack so much. <laughs> his name um, was called so many times in that game. It really was. Oh it was kind of gosh. funny, but like for good reason, because yeah. he is everywhere for that team Um, and he's huge. And then another guy, I, I'm just I was surprised that Valeski didn't get on any of those headers, really. Mm, no, that's his heading's not I, his thing. I mean, but that's a guy. He's got the frame for it, I and know. I just think you it's know, so for weird. a team that that wins that many corners, and for two teams that really try to work the long ball, which is infuriating because it really didn't come off in that first half for him. Mm. Um, I don't know. I was surprised. I mean, it, it was a it was a drowsy game, I guess. It really there wasn't a whole lot in the first half, but I thought it was it was a decent game, if I'm honest. It was. It was. It featured.
2: Oklahoma City's first goal since uh, March 31st. And in fact, (laughs) they've scored three goals on the year. Basically, in fact, of one and three separate, or sorry, they scored four goals on the year and they've won exactly half the games that they've scored in.
0: And that was a switchback sides and and the back chat guys talked about it where they beat Vegas a week ago. Like Colorado hasn't looked bad. No, really. They beat
2: Vegas 1 0.
0: Yeah, they've just kind of been inconsistent, and that's that's frustrating for them, which makes sense because you don't expect to beat Vegas, and then, you know, hardly anyone's given up the goal to Oklahoma City all year, and then you lose to them one nothing, which is not a, you know, difficult score to beat, um, and, you know, both teams had their chances, it just no one was really interested in finishing, it looked yeah. like, so... Um, Yeah. Two teams that I think could make the playoffs. I don't know if they will, but there's definitely, you know, potential in those two sides for sure.
1: Colorado's doing a good job. Like they're doing, they're doing them the way they do it best where they, they defend at home and they know how to defend away and they're going to hit you on the counter away. Mm -hmm. I think they're doing it right for them. And I think they have a chance to make it. And I think uh, Ryan, I think you mentioned some of the best defenses as far as shutouts and, and, defending out wins, uh, they were up there for you, and also a surprise was Penn FC. Do you remember what those that list of teams was?
2: You and the Pittsburgh Red Browns currently lead the league in shutouts, each with six, and they're definitely one of the better sides. I know it's looking at other teams with um, those who are at least very good at home. I was looking back to the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. And they only have one loss at home, but now nine clubs remain unbeaten at home in the USL at the moment currently, which are Real Monarchs, Switch Park Rangers, St. Louis, FC, RGV, and then in the east you have Louisville, Pittsburgh, New York Red Bull two, Tampa Bay, and Nashville. Hmm.
1: Yeah, still yeah. a long list. It'll it'll get smaller.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um guys, think I think that's it. I think we're good. It was a fun episode. A lot of news,
1: and I enjoyed it. A lot of news.
0: Tons of news. Uh, A little bit more news. Big ups to Patrick Vieira joining Nice at the end of the season, um, which will be... He shut those down, right? I think he shut down those rumors today. Did he? he? Damn. I know. I was excited for him. I want him to go anywhere but New York City. He's good. For just yeah. because well, uh, uh, whatever guys, um, when he stays
2: in the Manchester city,
0: empire. right? That's okay. really what it is. I just, I just want this. So I want to see how he does without that backing and without that style of play mm. anyway, um, or without a guy like David Villa, um, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> if you want pony's to follow the show, yeah. <laughs> which by the way, pony's not here to defend why he wants to do this, but since we won't record until June, I don't, think calendar come through we have one show left in may we do okay yes anyway starting in june it's better to tell people early i suppose starting in june we'll be moving to recording monday for episodes posting on tuesday okay so a day sooner you'll get all your usl show fun times if you want to follow the show with complaints or questions or comments or concerns or other at the usl show on twitter um if you want to direct your complaints to all of us uh, individually you can do that for me at k -K pdx um (laughs) is where you can put all of your all of your complaints to me evan (laughs) Or to make it even worse, at Iron Pony Chef, because his name is actually Evan. I should have done that. Yeah. No. Um, no, for big Kev, K McCamish P D X, uh, also P T K podcast. Definitely listen to their episode of the St. Polly folks. That was some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Phil, you're over at Phil Grooms, P H I L L G R O O M S. Two L S Two L's. Uh Ryan, is it your favorite airport? Um, I L M underscore Ryan on the Twitters. Um, you are now back from Scotland, so we will be forced to to see photos of not as interesting football grounds, I guess.
2: <laughs> or not, it's, not as often, unless you count FIFA 18 on my PS4.
0: Yeah, start taking pictures of that and and uploading them <laughs> like you're there. That'll come off great. No one will know. It'll no one will know.
2: Losing four one on online season stuck in Division Ten.
0: There you go. <laughs> It'll come around that we should profile Ryan, Ryan Allen's battle for promotion every year. Like, (laughs) like like sky did with the Vanarama league. Anyway, uh, if you want to hear my voice, well, if you don't want to hear my voice, if you want to read my words more or or learn about what I do in my personal life, when I'm not talking to people that pretend to like me to indulge my ego at Valella, these and Victor, I L L E L L A B S F C. Um, Yeah. Real quick shout-out. If you guys didn't thank your team coordinator or equipment manager this week, go do that because they have a hard job and they don't get enough recognition. So there you go. Take care, everybody.